so thankful his name gives life to my life or to my life <clears throat> amen hallelujah it's just good to be in the house of the lord friends man a place where your soul can find rest from the cares of this life amen we invite you to enter into the service this morning with all your heart amen it's god we're giving praise to amen the creator of heaven and earth hallelujah do you love him this morning amen amen let's sing the song there is none like you key of f there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like Touch my 
sing this song together. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. You happy to be here? Amen. Let's sing it together. Well, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, for this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, well this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, they're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know, cause I fixed it up with Jesus many years ago, when I know he'll see me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home. 
heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Just over in glory land We'll live eternally With the saints on every hand Will they shout in victory The songs of sweetest praise Drip back from heaven's shore And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Well, oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you Not my home this week. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. And if well, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore Well, this world is not my home I'm just passing through Laid up somewhere beyond the blue The angels beckon me from heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Come on, put your hands together for Jesus Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Let's sing one more. This old world will never hold me. Hallelujah. Well, this old world will never hold me anymore. And I'll be gone. For I made my consecration. And I've got my wedding garment on. on And when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. 
Hallelujah. We're going to change the order of the service at this time, sing a song just to bring our hearts down into the right atmosphere. Think about his love. Think about his love. Amen. He's so good to us, friends. Think about his love. Just think about his goodness. Oh, think about his grace that's brought us Sylvester, if he would be ready to take the needs to the Lord for us, amen. Hallelujah. Have a special, <clears throat> special need from Brother Ben McCafferty. He says Sister Emma McCafferty is, is very sick. So if we could remember her in prayer, we'd appreciate that, amen. Remember the Smith family. Uh, today I have a letter to read from them. I'll read in a few moments. I want to remember them in prayer. Um, I want to remember the Stevens family who are not with us today. Uh, we could remember Brother John Anthony and Sister Hannah as well. They are not with us. Uh, the Paschal family, again, not with us today. If you'd remember them. And also the Knobloch family who is away as well. If you'd remember my aunt, Sister Rosie, in prayer. She really needs a touch from the Lord. And I also have a prayer request for Sister Kim Ward is not feeling well today. Amen. Any other unspoken prayer requests by your uplifted hands? And God sees your need and we'll be praying with you, friends. Come on. Pull the mark. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are very thankful, Lord, to Lord be here in this house again this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that put a desire in our hearts, Lord, to be here. And Lord, that's precious in these times we're living in, Lord, and we want to thank you for that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all good things that you've blessed us with, Lord, and most importantly, your word, Father, how you've restored 
all that was lost down to the ages, Lord. And in this day, we can see, Lord, with our eyes open because you've revealed to us what the truth of your word is, Father. And Lord, how a privileged people we are and how thankful we ought to be, Lord. And with grateful hearts, Lord, we thank you. We want to say we love you, Lord. And we, we thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless everyone here in your presence tonight, today, Lord, and everyone that's listening online, Lord. We pray that everyone will receive something, Lord, that would help them along this journey, that will strengthen them, strengthen their faith, Lord, strengthen our love for you, Lord Jesus, and a desire to draw closer to you than we've ever had before. Lord, as the word comes forth, Lord, we pray you'll bless your servant, Lord. We pray it'll be like fire shut up in his bones like the prophet says lord and when he has delivered his soul lord we pray that we'll be blessed and i pray lord that he himself in return will receive a blessing from you lord grant these needs that was presented lord the saints lord had confidence lord that when we pray you will hear us and lord we pray for them lord every request that was made this morning lord that you will grant each you know what each uplifted and Lord, what's on each heart, Father, we pray that you'll grant and comfort and meet every need. And everything that's done and said, Lord, may you receive glory and praise. For we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats. Hallelujah. So look out. I see some visitors with us. It's also good to have the James family with us. Man, made the long trek up from sunny South Florida. Man, so it's good to have them here. Um, we've got a few specials this morning. Uh, we're going to have Brother Matt crossing a special, and uh, Brother Ethan McCafferty has one, and also Sister Rebecca Coffey. Uh, and we'll just have you come up in that order um, at the appointed time. I'm going to read the letter uh, from Brother uh, Richard and Sister Mary uh, just before Brother Matt starts there. Uh, the letter states... <coughs> Brother Barry, we have received many cards and pictures in the mail from the believers at HBT, including yours. We want to thank everyone who sent them. It really means a lot to Sister Mary and me. We are so appreciative and thankful to be remembered. It is our desire to be present for the services, but it is not easy for Sister Mary to come and stay a long time. I feel I must be here <clears throat> with her to be, to be the two or more gathered together in worship. We really do appreciate all that you are doing, and the messages are really what we need to hear. Thanks to the Lord, and you're speaking for him. Again, I pray that you and your family will be richly blessed as each second, minute, hour, and day passes. We love you and all the saints at HPT. Sincerely, Brother Richard and Sister Mary. Amen. So we certainly appreciate Brother Richard and Sister Mary. They're always in our prayers. Amen. Brother Matt, if you can sing at this time. Amen. I know you all know this, so please sing along with me. This is uh, dedicated to Brother Jaron. Where would I be 
God only knows I'm glad he sees Through eyes of love A hopeless case An empty space If not for great Amazing grace How sweet the sound I once was lost Oh, but now I'm found I was a hopeless case Lost in space if not for grace Where would I be? God only knows I'm so glad He sees me Through eyes of love I was a hopeless case I was an empty space if not for grace Amazing grace How sweet the sound I once was lost Oh, but now I'm found I was a hopeless case Lost in space if not for grace Precious Lord Please take my hand And lead me on And let me stand For I'm a hopeless case I'm an empty space if not for grace Amazing grace How sweet the sound I once was lost Oh, but now I'm found I was a hopeless case Lost in space if not for grace A hopeless case Lost in space If not for grace so thankful for his grace and mercy hallelujah and what where would we be without him just god only knows man what a beautiful song thank you brother matt Thank you. 
I don't know where to start But it's now I feel Your grace fall like rain From every fingertip Washing away my pain I still believe In your faithfulness I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. Even when I don't see, I still believe. Questions to fog up my mind, promises I still seem to bear. For even when answers slowly unwind, it's my heart I see you prepare. For it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain. Every fingertip. Washing away my pain Cause I still believe in your faithfulness Cause I still believe in your truth Cause I still believe in your holy word Don't see, I still special brother Ethan man I still believe in his faithfulness hallelujah you know he puts us through trials temptations and tests and it's kind of like the diamond you know a diamond in the rough you, you don't see that beauty right away until it begins to be put under pressure and cut and worked on man and then the true beauty 
is made manifest. Amen. And that's what God does to our lives. Hallelujah. troubled soul why so
Beautiful song, Sister Rebecca. Thank you so much for that. It's good to have Brother Andrew Coffee and his family here with us today. Man, to worship God. Why don't we stand to our feet and uh, ask some deacons to come forward at the time. We'll take up our morning offering. Feel free to give as unto the Lord, friends. Amen. Brother Jeff, you can lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Let's sing that song through it all, Sister Becky. Let's sing this song together as our pastor comes forward. Through it all.
I'd like to open up this morning with a word of prayer. So I'd like you to join with me this morning as we pray. And uh, especially this morning, just want to bring Brother Troy and Sister Connie uh, Hughes before you and ask you to remember them in prayer. Brother Troy is still dealing with his uh, uh, blood levels, hemoglobin, hemoglobin and uh, just uh, general weakness. And he's probably going to have to get that looked at again. And uh, <clears throat> they're at a point where... Uh, uh, we just really need to be praying for them and thinking about them in, uh, in the days and weeks ahead. So if you don't mind doing that this morning, and uh, Sister Becky plays this morning, let's just all join our hearts together, and let's just give this time to him now, and just specifically just say, Lord, this is your opportunity, Lord, to speak to my heart, and I want you to do that this morning. Just make your vessel an open vessel, an empty vessel that God can fill this morning, God can speak to. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts this morning in your presence, Lord, we are honored to be able to come, Lord, near you and to make this appointment with you, Lord, so that you could speak to us and you could deal with our hearts, Lord, according to your purpose and your will. Lord, we know it's your desire that no one would be lost and that everybody would enjoy the benefits of salvation. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would deal with each and every heart. Stir within us, Lord, I pray. And Father, you know the, the very needs that we have, the very concerns and burdens that we have. And Lord, I just place them at your feet today. Come, I pray, in the volume of the book, Lord, and speak to us. Forgive us of anything that may, Lord, have hindered the moving of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, just come, I pray, and sweep over this assembly. Lord, you said you'd be with us. You'd be even in us until the very end of the way. In our days, Lord, even though we still live in relative comfort, Lord, we know that our times are changing and our world we live in is falling apart. And Lord, we want to be sensitive to how you're moving us, how you're training us and teaching us, how you're instructing us in righteousness. And so, Lord, I pray that you would have free course among us today. We commit our every need to you, Lord. Pray that you would bring healing to those who need it, encouragement to the discouraged, Lord, and I pray you'd lift up the hands that hang down. Speak, Lord, I pray today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. you may be seated this morning, and uh, we welcome all of you to the house of the Lord today. <clears throat> we let our musicians take their places. Uh, that'll be just fine. I wanted to uh, also just very quickly uh, mentioned that if you could bring up our service there this morning, uh, it's great to have the parks back and uh, great to have uh, Mike and Liz with us this morning. Liz goes way back. Uh, great to have you with us. And then Natalie also, right? Granddaughter. And uh, good to have you with us today. Uh, good always to have the McKimmies uh, here. Where are the McKimmies? They were here. Someone mentioned they were here. And Wellingtons. God bless you. Good to have them with us today. Um, I wanted to mention uh, the Britons, uh, I, I think also they're away in the south today in a meeting, and uh, also wanted to just uh, make mention of the fact that uh, we had a youth event on uh, Friday night here, and uh, I was in town, I was able to uh, drop by a couple of times and listen, Brother Andy gave his testimony, it was just uh, really outstanding, they were, uh, I think they were here in the building until about midnight or so, 
uh, locking up, and uh, it was really a great event. It was run the way a youth event should be run, I think, and it was uh, uh, just a, a real blessing. And I appreciate Pete and Rachel for heading that up and uh, making it uh, as, as good as, certainly as good as it was uh, on the weekend here. Now, let's uh, just uh, do a couple of announcements here. Uh, next week, June 15th, is Richard Smith's uh, birthday, and then June 16th is Sister Christie's birthday. So God bless both of them. Uh, these are the special services that are coming up here in the next uh, little bit. Uh, Dennis McBride will be here on June 18th. That's next Sunday. This, uh, after today, this uh, begins our uh, annual vacation time for our family. So I'll be away this week and I'll be away from my phone, hopefully as much as I possibly can. And so if you uh, can't reach me, uh, you can always reach one of the deacons and they, they'll know how to get me. Uh, so that'll be this week. Brother Dennis will be here. We'll have service on Wednesday night and then Brother Dennis will be here on Sunday. Uh, Brother Stacy Goodbread is working, uh, working to get uh, July 23rd free to come and be with us uh, from Florida. And uh, then Brother Trevor Eamon, this is the meeting that we had originally scheduled in June. It'll be in August. And then Brother Paula Fontaine will be here for Labor Day meeting. Uh, just a couple of very quick pictures here. Uh, these are the first books that have arrived in La Paz, Bolivia. And uh, this is with the help of Brother George Smith and the Seven Seals book that is in Spanish. And uh, they were making their way across in the boats there and, and delivering them into villages and churches uh, along the uh, Bolivian uh, area. And uh, it, it, they were just so excited uh, to have that. We'll have reports of this stuff on, uh, on the website in northern Malawi, Brother uh, Precious has gone with the truck there and for a church, you know, a little church that has nothing basically uh, in their church to see that truck arriving and having all of that material come. Uh, that's just a, a really great blessing. As if life couldn't get more difficult, we're still remembering the saints that are in Ukraine. And uh, they are, uh, we've been in contact with some of the people over there and sending funding uh, to some of the people who are in, in the path of some of this flooding there. And uh, there's some families that are in need in that area. You can see, uh, just if you can catch it, the man who's walking down the street here, he's got a garbage bag wrapped around a baby stroller. That's what he's carrying. And he's got plastic bags on his feet, uh, which are tied up there. And some of the other people up the road there also had the same thing uh, because they were completely taken off guard by this uh, tragic event. And... Um, it's certainly been devastating for that, uh, for that region, for sure. Things are uh, abating. The, uh, the waters are actually going down a little bit after the dam uh, broke there, but uh, the conditions are uh, certainly serious in that, in that part of uh, Ukraine, as if life wasn't difficult enough. And uh, so we appreciate your remembering those saints, for sure. Well, let's uh, turn to the Word this morning, and I don't want to take up any more of our time here, but let's just uh, focus on the, uh, on the service, and uh, let's stand to our feet, and let's read. If you don't mind, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 7. We have our dinner uh, after uh, service today. Welcome uh, Mitch and Megan here, and he who preaches before the big dinner had better make haste. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm trusting that the, the wind won't shift. As if the wind shifts and we get the smell of food, we're all in. I'm in trouble, for sure. 
Hebrews chapter 3. But what I want you to do now is uh, for the next uh, just a little bit, just, just focus your thoughts and let's just let the Holy Spirit have his way in this part of the service. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, this is a real, uh, real important admonition that Paul gives to us. Wherefore, he says, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. And I said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Now, they were witnesses of his works, right? They saw his works. I mean, they ate manna every day. And they saw the pillar of fire every night. And, uh, you know, they had all the benefits of, of witnessing God's works. But they never really caught God's ways. And there's a big difference between God's ways and God's works. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Close bracket. So this is what the Holy Spirit now reminds of, uh, Paul. And then he says, so take heed, brethren. And this is not to them that journeyed in Israel now. But this is a New Testament warning here. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> now we want to talk a little bit about these ways and works of God and uh, we're going to we're just pulling together some of the thoughts that we've been dealing with here on <clears throat> the scripture verse Romans chapter 12 at, uh, at the beginning when Paul writes he says uh, brethren I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he said, let your, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, this whole idea of transforming our, our minds is something that is very, very important to God and a very powerful thing because it changes how we see things and changes how we view things, right? And so uh, this, this is a subject that is, uh, uh, in, a, in a sense, you know, we can talk about it through a service, but it really is a, an ongoing, uh, lifelong experience to have our thinking continually change to the thoughts of God and the mind of God. And that's a very, very important and powerful thing. Now, let me uh, just uh, preamble all of my preamble uh, by making this statement here this morning, that in God's provided way, and what Brother Branham is talking about here is Elisha, and uh, he, he's, he's having a, a little run-in with one of the uh, local kings there, and this king is not exactly friendly towards the kingdom of God, and uh, they want to they have Elisha talk to this king, and uh, he says, you know, he's, he's grieved, and, and uh, we, we can read this in the scripture, but uh, Elisha is grieved by this, and he said, hey, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't have anything to do with you. And he's, he's upset. And Brother Bram said he got all flustered because he's, uh, you know, he's, he's got to deal with this king. And uh, Brother Branham said as a result of uh, this interaction with the king, he said, uh, Elisha says, hey, bring me a minstrel. Bring, bring me a minstrel and play some music. 
Because that's the thing that's going to change my, uh, my attitude or settle my spirit more than anything else. Music has an important part to play, doesn't it? That's why music comes ahead of the preaching of the word. And I want to watch now, what, uh, I want you to watch what Brother Branham uh, teaches us. He said, so they got to play in the music and, and said, listen, if you can't be the prophet, he said, you can be one of the instruments that plays the music to bring the spirit down on the prophet. Huh. Then he says, so they begin to play drums and they played the instruments and the prophet began to get in the spirit. And when he got in the spirit, then things begin to happen. He said, that's what's the matter. Uh, He said, we can't get anywhere today because we don't get in the spirit of it. Part of our... Part of our, uh, the strategy of the Holy Spirit and the reason why we have our meetings uh, structured like we do uh, is because that, uh, the angel told Brother Branham, he said, this is, this is the way that I'd like to set it up. This is the way I'd like to have it. And so Brother Branham had his meetings, you know, fashioned some different ways, but <clears throat> finally the angel indicated, hey, this is the way to do it. And uh, <clears throat> it is important, I think, to have a, a, a musical uh, musical time where we can sing and we can worship and we can kind of let down, but uh, that's not the end of your worship. I want to remind you this morning, that's not the end of your worship. Your worship continues, and as you remain in the Spirit, you know what happens? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit moves freely among us here. If, you're, if, if we lock up and we, uh, uh, we, you know, we get stiff and we have, an, we're, have an attitude or we're indifferent about things, that locks up the Holy Spirit, and He doesn't, he doesn't move like He really wants to move. I'm going I'm to put my neck out this morning and say, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bless us more than we even want to be blessed. I, I believe He wants to show you things. I believe He wants to teach you things. I believe he wants you to open your heart and your mind. And, uh, you know, there's a part for you to play even before you get here. And we can't change that this Sunday. Uh, but I, I believe that, you know, you, you, uh, uh, you can't just go through, uh, come to church and go through a whole week and not read your Bible and not listen to anything and then come into church for an hour and expect for the Holy Spirit to kind of wash all that away and, uh, you know, bless you above measure. I, I think there's a part we play in coming to the church in the right atmosphere and the right spirit. Hello? There's, a, there's, a, there's a something that we invest. There's something that we put into that and come to the church expecting and so on. And, and Brother Bram said, when that prophet began to get in the spirit, he said, then things began to happen. You know, God was speaking and God was doing things. And he said, that's the matter. We can't get anywhere today because we don't get in the spirit of it. He said, you got to get in the spirit. How many would agree? You got to get in the spirit. He said they began clapping and they're having a good time and the Spirit of God began to fall on the prophet and his spirit got on the prophet. He said, then he began to see things and you'll go seeing things when you get in the Spirit. When you get in the Spirit, you kind of open your heart and mind and say, hey, Lord, we're here to hear from you. We're here uh, to hear good things and we're here to hear the message and we're here uh, you know, to receive rapturing faith. When you get in that Spirit and you begin to enter into that, let me tell you, God will start to move. I said God will start to move. We need to shake ourselves sometimes to just get out of that uh, lethargy and that routine and uh, not be afraid to raise our hands and uh, uh, look to God and just thank him for what he's done for us. We, do, we don't want to be something that we're not. But I'll tell you what, I think the Holy Spirit loves freedom. When he, has, when he sees people that are free in the spirit and they're uh, free to worship in the way that uh, you know, God is moving in their, in their, uh, in their pew. and I'll I, I tell you what, that makes a difference for me. I will be honest with you, it makes a difference for me. And sometimes, you know, I'll go through a whole week and somebody will say, man, last Sunday was really a great service. Really? 
you know, it, it's, it's nice to know that. It's nice to, uh, nice to have people, you know, enter in and, and be able to enjoy the Word of God. And, and so that's what Brother Bram's telling us here, that we need, to, uh, we need to, you know, let the Holy Spirit have his way. And uh, when that Holy Spirit got on the prophet, he said, you begin to see things. I, I don't know about you, but I, I have need of uh, hearing from the Holy Spirit. I have need of, uh, of seeing God answer some questions and uh, straighten things out and give me, uh, give me challenges that take me higher. I want to experience that. I want to have that. Not just, a, uh, not just a feeling or a buzz here, but there's things that God wants to bring us to. There's, things, there's places that God wants to take us to. And, and I, I know that uh, good things will happen when we uh, have that freedom among us to be able to enter into his presence. And God desires and loves to bless us. Now, in talking about his ways and his works, uh, it, it, is a, it is a thing that's found all the way through Scripture. We find uh, this, this idea, Moses teaches the children of Israel, Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him or to respect him. And uh, that, that, is, uh, uh, <clears throat> that is something that I guess we should never ever lose our, our respect and our reverence for the presence of God. We should never do that. But we should keep the commandments of God. Now, these are people who have had the Ten Commandments now. This is Deuteronomy. They've had the Ten Commandments for a long time. Years and years and years they've had the Ten Commandments. They know what the Ten Commandments say. But Moses is reiterating. He's reminding them again that they need to uh, make sure they keep the commandments. And keep the commandments in a new area that you're going into. The new land that you're entering into. Keep those commandments. He said to walk in God's ways. And it's not just to eat the manna. It's not just to uh, look at the pillar of fire in the sky every night. It's not just to see the quails fly in and God doing supernatural things. Remember, a lot of those people who ate the quails died with meat in their mouth, right? So they could experience the works and still die. But the people who caught a hold of their ways, they were people who had an understanding of what God was really doing. And I will tell you, that's a valuable thing. That's gold today in our world because our world's falling apart and our world leaders and our, uh, you know, our systems in place today have, have no idea really of what God is actually trying to do, of where we are in time. How many can say amen? They're, they're scrambling. They're, they're trying to make life better. They're trying to get elected. They're trying to, they're trying to indict some and elect others, and they're trying to uh, preserve their positions and all of that. Uh, let me tell you, they have agendas. All of them have agendas, and, and that's, that's just the world that we live in. But they have no idea, really, of the ways of God. They have no idea of what God is actually trying to accomplish. And, and it, it's, an, it's an incredible thing how that, uh, you know, for instance, back in the days of, of uh, Joseph in the Bible, in Genesis back there, when, when Joseph was on the throne and giving out all the grain to the people of the world that were starving, there was only one man, really, who understood what, what God was doing. There was one man who said, one among all the people on the earth, the Israelites didn't know, Jacob didn't know, there were uh, people in Egypt who didn't know, the leaders of Egypt didn't know, the Pharaoh only knew a part of what was happening, but there was one man, Joseph, who knew that somehow or another God was uh, you know, preserving life and allowing the seed of Abraham to go all the way through and, and uh, eventually come back into the promised land. And He was there to preserve that seed line uh, all the way from Abraham down to David. I mean, Abraham, or sorry, Joseph uh, was one man in the middle of it that in a sense was leading the parade and said, come on and follow me. I know exactly what, uh, what's taking place. I know where we're going here. Stay with me. 
One man in all of the earth who knew, who knew definitively what, what was actually taking place. He was behind a disguise, but he still knew exactly what God was doing. I, I, I believe that that's similar to where we find ourselves today, that uh, God raised up one man in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in the 60s and 70s, 50s and 60s, and raised him up and gave him a revelation and gave him an understanding of the Word of God that, that uh, allowed him to be able to press on and knew he was going in the right direction, knew exactly that uh, God was gathering a bride out of denominations and opening up the mysteries and showing us things that were hidden through the ages. And so many things God made sense to him, so many things that God clarified to him that in turn he ministered to us, and now we're beginning to understand the things that he understood. But he was one man who was in the earth who was saying, follow me, follow me. This is right. The word is right. The opening of the word is right. And a lot of people in the world don't know what's going on. But by God's grace, I know what's going on. Stay with the word and follow the word and, and, and let it lead you all the way into the promised land. I, I believe that's what we've had in the last day. And, and let me tell you, Brother Branham never said stay and rehearse the works and rehearse the miracles and rehearse the uh, signs and wonders. He didn't say stay there. He said understand the ways of God and understand the program and the purpose of God and see where all of this has taken you. And the only way we'll ever understand that is in the process of God dealing with our minds and helping us to be transformed so that we can know exactly what is the will of God. Now let me give you three scriptures here. We, we know in Romans chapter 8 here, and the whole chapter of Roman eight, Romans chapter 8 deals with this, uh, the spiritual mind and the mind of God. And he says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not at enmity, it is enmity against God. You see what it says? The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind, it simply means this. It is mere human nature of man apart from divine influence. That's the way we're born. We're born with a carnal nature, and that human nature apart from divine influence is capable of anything. I said it's capable of anything. It's capable of, uh, you know, uh, abusing itself. It's capable of uh, all kinds of sin and debauchery and so forth. But it's also capable of impersonating a believer. It's also capable of being a good church member. Isn't that right? Learning the routine, learning the, uh, you know, the ropes and all of that. I mean, there's a lot of things that men will learn and men will practice here, but they can do it still apart from the influence of God. And, and therefore, a person who is, is carnally minded, as the scripture defines, is therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. They can look at the word of God, and they can look at their church teaching, and they can choose one or the other. A, a, a seed of God can't do that. How many would agree? A seed of God, when he hears that voice of God, there's something that's quickened on the inside, and they're not able to walk away from truth. They're going to come to the truth. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they won't follow. Number two, the second scripture is, Paul writes that ye were, ye were sometimes alienated and enemies, where? In your mind. Ye were enemies in your mind by wicked works, and yet now hath he reconciled. Jesus died for your mind. Come on, it's okay to say amen on this one in scripture. 
You were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, and to reconcile means this, to come back into harmony again, to come back and be joined again. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Let me tell you, he shed his blood that you might think right. He shed his blood that you might be redeemed. Not just in your soul, but that you might be redeemed. Glory to God. The third thing that I want to share with you is this. Paul says, now going from Romans 8 and a carnal, carnally minded person, he said, he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have, where we once had a carnal mind, now we have the mind of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is the mind of God in you an important thing to God? Is it important? You better believe it's important. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of New Testament scriptures that relate to uh, the mind, the transforming of the mind, and all of that uh, related, uh, related together. And Paul is saying that a carnal-minded man, somebody without divine influence in his life, he's going to think a certain way. It, when, when events, certain events happen, uh, like now they have all kinds, they've opened up a new uh, area of investigation in Washington now for UFOs. They don't even call them UFOs anymore. They're UA something or other. What? UAP. And uh, because, you know, we've moved on. So in my day, it was a UFO. But in, now, now, it's different. And, you know, it, it, they have a, they have, I'm not saying that it's not a bad thing to investigate. I mean, it must be interesting because they got great footage. And now they can photograph everything, right? And... Uh, <clears throat> They're looking at that and trying to interpret that or trying to place that because we're always more comfortable in society when we can place something. Ah, that's what caused that. And that's what, that's the reason for this. You can imagine there must have been a lot of people in Noah's day that tried to place Noah's message and try, oh, that's what this is, you know, and, and uh, there, there's no such thing as rain, so we, we, have it, we have an understanding, we have it figured out, and uh, come to find out they were right until they were wrong, Right? They didn't think that could happen until it did. And so uh, today, you know, they're, they're thinking about UA, UAPs, or, and U, which are UFOs. And I wonder, do the people in space know they're called something different now? Or they, I, I'm only joking. <laughs> but Brother Manum actually gave us a definition of that, believe it or not. And it would be good for some of you to maybe get a hold of your congressman and let them know that, there is a, there's an explanation for this. Everybody laughs, huh? you know, it's funny. But, I mean, could he be right? Could that be actually investigating angels? Or, let me ask you this way. Have you got a better explanation? I'm just saying. We have the mind of Christ. Now, I'm not saying we have all the answers. You know, you, you think about one of, the, one of the profound, one of the overwhelming topics of conversation today is global warming. And there's all kinds of things that they ascribe to global warming, that things are happening. And I will tell you, it is a real thing. It is a real thing. But I don't think it's happening for the reason they think in, in society, that they think it's happening. I think it's God writing the world back to where it needs to be. 
Brother Bram talks about the earth coming back because it's tilted on, from its axis uh, as it was in the days of Noah. And I don't think it's because we ate too many Big Macs in styrofoam containers. I mean, it could be, but I, I don't think that it is. You know, the, the, uh, like uh, you talk to some of the engineer, great uh, scientific minds that we have in our house today, and uh, you, know, you, you think about uh, the, the measures that are taken in the United States to cut emissions and all of the great uh, you know, restrictions that are put on things today. And then in another nation like China, they'll uh, spew uh, you know, gases and, and uh, carb their carbon footprint is rather large. And uh, they can undo what's done in one nation you know, in, in a couple of weeks. They can un actually undo it. I mean, it's striking. But either way, I believe that there are, there are things that are changing. You talk to the believers up in Alaska, and I talk to them regularly. And they, uh, they, they're uh, observing changes up there in their environment, the hunting patterns, and they're seeing bugs that they don't have names for. They're seeing birds that they don't have names for because they're moving north. Uh, in, in Tanzania, uh, they have problems with mosquitoes in higher elevations that they never had problems with before. And they bring malaria and all kinds of diseases with them because uh, the mosquitoes normally were on a certain level because of temperatures and the temperatures are rising. So mosquitoes also rise uh, with them and the world is changing. And I believe that the earth is groaning and travailing like Romans 8 says. And it's all waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'll say, yes, there's something happening, but the interpretation of things that are happening might be different than, our interpretation might be different than the world's interpretation. That's all I'm saying. And I believe that comes from the mind of Christ. And God has introduced us or exposed us to thinking that is not necessarily scientific, neither is it necessarily popular. I said, neither is it always popular, because if you went, if you went to, uh, you know, the, uh, the government and talked to them about global warming, and hey, everybody's talking about it, I mean, it's a huge issue, and, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, fires and, and uh, those old Canadians up there burning the place down and sending us their smoke. I, I wrote this week and told my family, keep your own smoke. We got enough problems here. So Brother Manum, thing now, I want you to think in the spiritual sense that the, he says in the Queen of Sheba, so if he's infinite, and he being God, how many believe he's infinite? Then he can know the end from the beginning. That's, that's an obvious statement here. And that's the reason he could predict the end from the beginning. And we know that he's infinite and we are finite. And we get things so mixed up and so settled that we're right. Then God with his infinite mind just rides far over it. So we have it figured out, like they did in the days of Noah. But you know what? God went ahead and did with, uh, did with the world what he wanted to do anyway. He destroyed uh, the world as we knew it. And, and so therefore, he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, said God, and my ways are higher. So we must submit ourselves to his way. If his way is higher, if his way is better, if his way is more true, uh, then we must learn that we have to submit ourselves to his way, even if we don't always understand. <clears throat> James puts it this way. He said, you ought to say in verse 15, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And I think that's a good thing for us to practice because a lot of times we'll have it figured out and say this is the way it's going to be. And, and we ought to add a little, if the Lord will. If the Lord will, we'll do this or we'll do that. Because you really don't know what tomorrow holds. This, may, this is going to be painfully obvious, but we live, in a we live in a time where we're actually perched on the cusp of a great reality change. 
There's, go, there's going to be things that happen in this world. Uh, there's going to be changes, I think, that are fairly imminent and uh, for lots of different reasons. And I think life will not continue like, it's, like it is today. It will be affected. Our whole world will be even more affected by changes that are coming in this world. I'm talking about political changes and economic changes and uh, many other things that I believe that are in the works that are unfulfilled yet in Scripture, and I believe they're going to happen. And as a result of that, we should... Uh, face every day saying, Lord willing, we're going to do this, and we're going to make our plans with a comma at the end of them, and we're going to put our trust in God. We're going to, as the specials, I so enjoyed the specials this morning, as all of them spoke about faith and, and, and uh, trusting in God and putting our trust in God. And uh, I, I, You know, that to me, that is a, should be a characteristic of the people of God, especially in the day that we live in, that, that everything is dependent on whether the Lord will or not. It's not about our determination. It's not about our ability to accomplish it. It is really what the Lord wills. All right, stay with me. Here's the scripture in Isaiah 55. And it's a beautiful section of scripture. And it talks about Israel and how that it was imprisoned and how it was a barren land and how the people were held captive. And then God makes a series of promises in 54, 55, and 56. And he makes these promises about how Israel will be regathered and how they'll be blessed to come back into the land again. And God said, I'll make the land bloom and I'll make it a positive place. I'll make it a beautiful place for you to come. And he says, so in that... In that, he said, like God allows the rain to come and he allows the snows to come and all of the water, he says, in its cycle goes back to God and God's got it figured out so that all the, the earth doesn't run out of water. But he said it comes down, the, the valleys and the lakes are filled with water and it's evaporating, comes back again. And he's describing this cycle. And, and God is making a promise to the people of Israel. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. And let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. Now he said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. The whole chapter, the whole section is about, hey, God's going to do this. He's got it. He's going to accomplish this. And you're better off just submitting yourself to him and letting go with the flow that God creates in your particular age. And he will have mercy and, and, and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. When you think about, again, in, in the book of Genesis, and you think about Joseph's brothers and all that they did, and yet they're pardoned by God. They're, they're, they're told that you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, and God actually used you, and God brought you into the program, and you might be a sinner out there. You might be a, a mess in your life. Well, let me tell you, the best thing that, that God is telling us to do is just let the wicked forsake your way. Just let your way go. Your way is not going to work. There's a higher power. Say it with me. There's a higher power. We're, we're good at this for you visitors. Let's do it again. There's a higher power. And you're better off getting in sync with that higher power because God's going to accomplish his way. No matter what politicians think, no matter what scientists think, no matter what anybody tries to do, and no matter how much might or technology is thrown at the circumstances of our day, God's going to have his way. 
So you're better off. This is God's plea to the uh, people of Israel and the people who were living at that day. Throw yourself at the mercy of God. Let uh, You that are unrighteous, and I don't know if there's anybody here this morning in that category, the unrighteous and the wicked. Hey, let me tell you now, you're better off forsaking your way. Let it go. It's not going to work. You're not going to be successful hanging on to those ideas. You're not going to be able to resist God and, and uh, uh, you know, be prosperous and be happy and, and content in your soul. You're not going to be able to shake your fist at God and find a place where God is not. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's omniscient. He knows everything. And so therefore you're better off submitting yourself to God and, and, and let, him, let him return. Let that man return unto God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Everybody with me? Amen. <clears throat> there are a lot of times when we feel like, oh, you know, we make a little bit of progress and then we fall back and somehow or another God doesn't love us as much anymore, or God feels differently about us anymore. His, maybe we're not as valuable in the kingdom, or not as valuable, because we do mess up. I, I believe that a lot of times people, they get distracted and they get waylaid because of uh, things that happen in their own life, some things they might have brought about themselves. But there are some times when things happen around you that cause you to be discouraged. And then we begin to think, well, maybe I'm not really a child of God after all. Maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm not as good as what I thought I was. Hey, all of us go through times like that, right? Because all of us are capable of making mistakes, and all of us do. Whether you're agreeing with me this morning or not, you're in this category. You ought to wake up and realize, hey, that, this, is, this is every man, Right? And, and you gotta, you got to understand something very, very thoroughly. you got to understand something very completely, and that is that your worth doesn't change in the eyes of God. If he bled and died for you and he saved you, your worth doesn't change in the eyes of God, no matter what circumstance you face. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you're still, hey, if you've got eternal life, he still loves you no matter, no matter what mess, no matter what muck you find yourself in, God still loves you. Do you believe that? And, and you know what? When you mess up, I think it's wonderful that you have an avenue. You can go back to God and, and repent and make things right and, and seek him like the scripture says here. And, and God is abundant to pardon. He's, abundant, he's a merciful God and he loves you and he cares for you. Right? Are you related to him? Hmm. God bless you. Be praying for you, buddy. <laughs> Come on up here, Levin. Don't get any ideas. <clears throat> Would you like to have this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> yep. Because <clears throat> it, it's, it's got value, right? How about, if I, how about if I did that? It's a tragedy. Would you still want it? Yeah. Why? Because it's still... The value hasn't changed, right? Yeah. How about if I did that? Would you still want it? Yeah. Why? It's still valuable. What's, what's in here? Water. 
Would you still want it? <laughs> would, you, would you want it? Maybe. <laughs> you wouldn't want it? Anybody here would want this? <laughs> You're outnumbered. If you don't want it, a lot of people would like to have it. Why would people still want to have this? The value hasn't changed, right? The circumstances have changed, but the value hasn't. Do you, really, do you believe, do you understand that this is exactly how God looks at us, right? We mess up. We go through lots of stuff. We get, we get crushed. We get, we get stepped on. We get put in the mud. We get put in the water. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen in our lives. But you know what? The value of this hasn't changed at all. And that's why God can still love us. In other words, if this was you and we asked God, would you still want leaven? He'd say, oh, yeah, because the value hasn't changed. How it looks has changed a little bit. But you know what? This will be all right. Tell you what. Tell you what. Here's a little something for your trouble. You can't, you can't have this. i got to dry it out. God bless you. You can be seated. <laughs> Let's just dry that baby out. You understand? In, in life will hand it. Life is not linear. It, it, life is not predictable because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know which way your life is going to run. You, you, you have no idea. We think, we thought, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something else. And this is the way it's going to be. Well, you ought to say now, we've learned, you ought to say, Lord willing. Because you really don't know. But remember, no matter where life takes you and no matter what happens, the worth of a son of God, the value of a son of God in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of the world now, but in the eyes of God, your, your worth hasn't changed. Your circumstances may have changed. Your experiences may have changed. The things that people have done to you may have changed. You may go through a lot of things, but I will tell you something. Your value is a child of God. And a lot of times, that's what keeps us. It's not because you feel good all the time, because there are times you don't. Right? There are times when, uh, you know, churches go squirrely. Churches shouldn't go squirrely. But guess what? They do. Pastors do stupid things. Sorry. My grandchildren are here. That's one thing they correct me on all the time, saying that word. So I'm sorry. But I will tell you this, that, uh, you know, there, there, there are things that, that people do that are, I mean, they should not have done. They're not right. They, they mess things up. They, they, they all of a sudden throw a wrench in your momentum and, and, and things are not like they should be. Matter of fact, there are some church situations that you people have come out of that, you know, had things remained as they were, you, you may actually have still been there. But you know what? God allowed, because God allows everything and God is aware of everything and, and there are certain things that happen. Now all of a sudden you find yourself uh, where you are today and, and you think, well, that's just, you know, I, I left because of that and I left because of that. No, I'll tell you what, there's somebody watching over you. There's somebody guiding you. And we think a lot of times it's just random circumstance and random events that take place. No, I'll tell you this, that even in the hard times, even in the difficult things, God knows how to bring good things out of that to make a better you all the way around. And God is saying this to us very clearly in Isaiah chapter 55. Look, just come to me. Just come to me and, and, and surrender. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his wickedness. Just, just listen. Don't fight it. Just let God have his way. Just surrender your heart and your thinking and your mind. Just surrender to me and watch what I do. For the heavens are higher than the earth. You can only see so far, but I can see beyond that. 
You can see high, but I can see higher. And you can see, uh, you know, a certain amount. In the last days, you're going to be able to see more than any other age. But you know what? I still see more than what you see. And let me take you there. Let me bring you there. Think my thoughts. Think my thoughts. And then here comes a prophet along. In, his, in it is I, now be not afraid. And there's where I get the fallback. Now watch what he's saying. Brother Branham got a lot of criticism for the fact that he didn't pray for everybody in the building in a run of a service. There were thousands of people, and, and over time it grew. There were thousands and thousands of people who came to the meeting, and he did not pray for sometimes even more than a handful because of the discernment and the demonstration of the gift and the way he did things with the prayer cards and all of that stuff. And, and Brother Bram says, there's where I get the fallback or the criticism. They say, you don't pray for enough. If you only prayed for more people, more people would be healed and uh, things would be better. He says, I do believe with all my heart that they're doing what God told them to do. And these are other ministers who had the bigger programs and the more organized uh, situations where, uh, you know, they had the ushers and the uh, uh, movable platforms and all the rest of it. It was kind of like a science to them. And they got thousands of people prayed for. Brother Bram said, I believe with all my heart they're doing what, what God told them to do. And that's their ministry. But he said, now I believe there is a higher way. Watch. I believe there is a higher way to reach Christ than a laying on of hands. Because the patient can say this. If I, if I lay hands on uh, Sawyer over here. Sawyer, you got any problems today? No? Still single? All right. So if I lay hands on Sawyer and then Sawyer finds a girl and he gets married, he say, ha, you know what happened because Brother Barry laid his hands on me. And Brother Bram said, what's going to happen is he's going to put, this is the last line, he puts a man in it again. So Sawyer is going to give thanks to God, but he's going to give credit to Brother Barry. Right? Brother Bram said, you know what? There's a higher way. There's a higher way where you can sit in your pew and believe the word. You're reminded of the promise, and the Holy Spirit will quicken that to you, and you can receive what you have need of right while you're sitting there. And you know what? None of the credit or the glory goes to anyone else but the Holy Spirit who made that real to you. And you can leave here and say, thank God, I got healed. Amen. Let me interrupt this quote with this scripture. Mark chapter 5. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought Jesus greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and, he shall, and she shall live. Nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with this. But that's the Jewish way. Back to the quote. Brother Bram said, but that was a Jewish tradition. Jairus said, come lay your hands on my daughter and she will be well. But the Roman, the Gentile said, I'm not worthy to come under my roof. Just speak the word and my servant will live. Amen. You see the higher way? So folks, it's not numbers of people going across the platform. It's whether you can catch the higher way that God's doing something here. What did Jesus say about that? He certainly honored that Roman. And he says, hey, whoa, whoa. I've not seen this kind of faith. No, not even in Israel. Whoa. And he says, now that's where we're trying to get people to believe that. I think this is a good way. But yet... Yet, some people feel like if I don't go through a prayer line, I'm not going to get anything. You just haven't read this quote yet. You need to read this and realize that you, 
I mean, it's not a bad thing for someone to lay hands on, a minister to lay hands on somebody. I do it almost every service. It's not a bad thing at all. Because it's a point of contact, it's a consolation for people, it is, uh, you know, it's a strengthening effect of more than one person being able to pray and all, I mean, it's biblical, there's not a thing wrong with it. All Brother Branham is doing, though, is showing us a higher way, because a lot of times we think on this level, but God actually sees something a little higher. Somebody say amen. amen. And you don't, you don't need to be in the back of the church and feel like, well, I'll never get to Brother Branham, or I'll never get in the prayer line, or I'll never get that. You always have access to God if you're in the presence of God. You always have access to God, and God has access to you if you'll believe him. And he said, now that's where we're trying to get to people, he said, to believe that. And it's not some human being, it's your Lord, Jesus Christ, and it's what he did for you. Glory to God. You've got to understand his ways, right? You say, well, Brother Barry, I'm a snake handler. I just want to ask Brother Branham. Dear prophet of God, uh, St. Mark 16, 18, I'm around snake handlers. What about it? Well, what about it? That's, a, that's a, a way of saying, don't read the answer yet. That's a way of saying, hey, uh, I'm in a snake handling church. Should I get out of it or should I not? I know where there are snake handling churches. I know where they get their snakes. My father-in-law was in a snake handling service one time. And <clears throat> it's a real thing. It's not a thing of the past. It's a real thing. But watch what Brother Bram's answer is. I love his answer. He said, well, that's a good question. I believe the Bible means just what it says. And I believe if we try to tempt the Lord into something, he said, we're in for it. If we're trying to tempt God into doing, forcing God to do something, you know what? You can get in trouble for that. But I think God wants you to, but I don't think, <laughs> big omission there, but I don't think God wants you to bring a bottle of arsenic to drink to prove that I have faith. No more than to bring me a snake and pick it up and show you that I have faith to overcome its poison. I don't think that needs to be done. I do believe that if I was in the water baptizing people, doing the work of the Lord or in the jungle and a snake bit me, I'd walk right on in the name of the Lord. I believe that's what it meant. So, you know what we could say to these folks in the snake handling church? God's ways are higher than your ways. Right? You understand? His ways are better. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, if you've ever been in a snake handling church, you would agree. His ways are better. I, I often have been in the jungle and in primitive areas and uh, places where there are critters in the, in the rivers that I couldn't identify and did not want to identify. And, you know, they ask me, do you want to baptize? And I always say, hey, I think it's better that a local pastor baptizes the people. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's kind of nice. You have a connection with the people. You know what? I'll be here. I'll be praying for you, bro. Love you. Love all you people here. But you know what? I think that's why. I baptize my people when I go home. I don't call you to come from Africa to baptize my people. So you know what? Hey, God bless you. Love y'all. Love y'all. Take your Bible, if you will. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles here. 2 Chronicles. I just try to be a blessing wherever I go. Now, you know this story, and I'm not going to belabor it here, but I, I just want to, I want to illustrate a New Testament principle here in the Old Testament. <clears throat> this is the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He had bad friends. And God corrected him for that, but he was a good king. He was a good man. And <clears throat> in, this, in this chapter, and we're in 2 Chronicles 20, in this chapter here, 
Jehoshaphat spends much of his reign restoring the order of God, getting rid of idols, getting rid of high places, uh, getting rid of the wrong kinds of influences that had crept in to Israel uh, among the people there and altered their worship. And, and he spent a lot of time doing that. God honored that. And then all of a sudden, in, in, a, in a, what would seem to be a random thing, it came to pass in verse 20, chapter 20, verse 1, it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them others besides the Ammonites. So we have multiple groups here, multiple nations here that bonded together, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. They came to fight. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There come a great multitude against thee up from Engedi. And then in verse 3 it says, And Jehoshaphat feared. Quite an understatement. That now he's not doing anything to provoke uh, an attack. He, he's just minding his own business. He's just going to church and doing, doing what God's called him to do. And, and he set himself, it says in verse 3, he feared. So he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, really, there's not much else he can do. He can't train an army now, right? He can't increase, uh, you know, the, the budget, budgetary bottom line on spending for defense. Uh, he, he can't do that. There's a lot of things he can't do. He's in a situation now where the only thing that he feels he can do is turn to God. And that's a good thing. And, and he, he looks immediately to God. And this is his training. This is his adoption. He looks immediately to God. And, and there cometh, uh, the, the Bible says that here he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. There's a lot we can't do, but this is what we can do. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They didn't seek government assistance. They came to seek the Lord. And they, 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 they put themselves before God. And it says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And he prays. And prays a very beautiful and moving and inspiring prayer. I mean, it's just wonderful what he says to God here. But you know what he does? He presents himself a living sacrifice unto God. Let me read it again. Verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He comes to church and he does this. Lord, I got all the congregation behind me, right? Just checking. And he just does this. He's not out scrambling around trying to find more ammunition. He's just, Lord, here we stand. All I can do now is present myself before you. That's really all I can do. I, I have an enemy breathing down my back. I have, I have a circumstance that I didn't cause, and, but Lord, here I am. And I just, I, the only thing in reality that I can do now is just come and present myself before you. And just say, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I don't know what else to do. The Bible says that after he prayed, in verse 12, and the messenger that went to call Micaiah spoke to him and said, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one ascent. I'm sorry. Verse 14. Go back to 14. And then came Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Joel, son of Matthiah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So here's a man who prophesies. And as they're finished praying here, Jehaziel, Jehaziel pray, uh, responds, 
And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of the great multitude, for the battle is yours, the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, I, I, I want to, uh, remember now, it's the Spirit of the Lord speaking through uh, Jehaziel. And he says, be not afraid, neither dismayed by reason of this great multitude. It doesn't matter how many people are out there against you. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And tomorrow go ye down against them. And behold, they come up by the cliff of Zir. And, and, the, tell, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jura. I mean, that's amazing. He tells them exactly where they're going to be. And he says, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of God with you. In other words, you, today you presented yourself a living sacrifice before God. Do it again tomorrow and watch what I do. God doesn't say, hey, uh, get on the move here. You, there's, there's things you can do. There's battles you can fight here. And help me out. God doesn't say that. He wants them to present themselves a, just a living sacrifice before the Lord. And they do it once. God says, will you do it again? Just do it again. And watch what I do. Because I can take you submissiveness. I can take your submissiveness. I can take your humility. I can take your presentation of yourselves before me. And I can use that. I've got a people that are willing to let God uh, fight this battle and a people who believe that God is able. Do you realize there, there are situations ahead that you and I are not going to be able to win. We're not going to be able to fight the battle. We're not going to be able to change the course of things that are happening in this world. You're not going to be able to turn the economy around. You're not going to be able to elect a leader you think will fix everything in Washington. No one is going to be able to do that. And you, as much as you think of yourself as the bride of Christ, that's not your mandate. That's not your commission. That's not your, uh, that's not your response. God just simply wants us to believe, number one, that God brought us here. God can do this. And I'm supposed to present my body a living sacrifice. That's what he really wants you to do. And it says... As at the, at the end of the verse there, and see the salvation of the Lord uh, God with you. And he says, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, neither be dismayed. For tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bows his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. It takes him, uh, God, God actually goes ahead of him and destroys him, throwing rocks on everybody. Everybody, they all die uh, in, in, that, in that battlefield out there before Israel gets out there. And it takes them three full days to get all the spoil and bring it back to the camp here. At one moment, they're looking at uh, inevitable destruction. And then a, a day later, they're looking at complete victory by God. But we got this established. This is not your battle. This is God's battle. And you need to stand in your place and you watch what God does. It's not for you to try to figure out, why is this happening to me here? Hey, they didn't have time for that. They just went and they gave themselves to God and said, Lord, uh, we, we have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. We have no idea how best to uh, deal with this struggle here. And he just says, hey, stay right there. And I'm going to give you the consolation that this is not your battle, but this is mine. Brother Bram said, why does God let troubles come? God harnesses trouble and put bits in its mouth and makes it obey him. God actually making trouble obey him. And these troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. Wow. I've watched in, in 4-H, and I'm not a horse person. I'm not a horse. And I, I, but I've watched these 
horses in 4-H and, and how the, when, when our uh, guys were involved in 4-H. And I'm watching, I, I, I remember watching these little girls, and they would be little girls. Just girls. You know, 50 pounds soaking wet. And they'd be walking along leading this horse. Half a ton. And, you know, this big quarter horses and the horses striding like this. And you think, wow, what an amazing thing to see this little girl. And that horse could just flick his head and cast that girl aside. But she has the hands on the reins. And the reins are attached to a bit. And that little piece of steel in the mouth of that horse is capable of guiding that great horse in the direction she wants it to go. And you watch them. They just pull that rein a little bit and just twist that a bit in the mouth of that horse and off that horse would go. It's just a great thing to watch. You understand, Brother Bram, he's given us exactly the same kind of illustration that you know what? <clears throat> It, it, there are great big forces that are out there. Forces that if they could and they turned on you, they would cause a lot of trouble. But you know what? Thank God somebody's got the reins. And God will take a bit and put it in the mouth of all of those troubles and guide it just exactly where God wants it to go. And a lot of times we think, well, it's the devil done this and the devil done that. But you know what? We learn that God actually, actually controls nature. How many believe that God's in nature? I wish I had a bit more time here. But let me give you one example. <clears throat> I mentioned this to you a long time ago. In 1755, there was a great earthquake in, in uh, Portugal, in the city of Lisbon, the capital city. Now, uh, just to give you a little background, the, ca- the, uh, the city of Lisbon was not just a city. It was the head of an empire. Because the Portuguese people were great travelers and explorers in the world. As a matter of fact, Portuguese is, I think, the sixth largest language spoken in the world. Because the explorers went to so many parts of the world, in Goa, Angola, Mozambique, and uh, Brazil, and many different places. And they went, uh, they went in different parts of the world. So uh, Lisbon was a, an empire. And it was uh, a lot of great things happened uh, out of Lisbon in 1755. This is the era of the Enlightenment when there was all kinds of new thinking that was going on. But one day in 1755, on Sunday morning at 9.30, an earthquake began in the city of Lisbon. It happened to be All Saints Day. And like good Catholics, they all went to church uh, on the important days and stayed home the rest of the days. And uh, the churches were actually filled. 9.30 9.30 in the morning, they began to feel the tremors, and all of a sudden, with a, with a great roar, earthquakes began to happen. The earthquakes, they believed, now there was nobody there with m- uh, measurements, but they believe it was an 8.5 earthquake. It struck right below Lisbon. The gaps in the city were approximately 16 feet wide. The earth had split open 16 feet wide. The people who were in the churches and people who were in their homes and buildings uh, they ran outside in the streets because of all the debris that was falling, and there was all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uh, dangers to stay inside because everything was crumbling and falling. Now, back in that era, prior to this day, everyone who ever experienced a phenomena said that, uh, you know, this is just the devil and uh, causing a problem, or they said, well, God's mad with us, God's angry with us. And uh, they had their, you know, reasons for... Uh, saying that, like whether they saw the northern lights or whether it was an earthquake or whether it was a volcano, uh, they believed that God was either uh, judging something or not happy with them in one way or another. So this 
this earthquake, when it began to happen, there was three things that unfolded really quickly within the space of a couple of hours. And the first thing was the earthquake. <clears throat> so that when they ran outside, word spread because there's mountains behind the city of Lisbon. They said, hey, there's lots of room in the waterfront. So everybody ran down to the waterfront and gathered there. And when they got down there, lo and behold, there was no water in the harbor. And they saw all those sunken ships that were uh, sunk years ago. And they all stood there with amazement. And they were scared to death because of the earthquake. And my goodness, they are looking at all of this dry land now. No harbor. They couldn't see the harbor. It was actually gone. And so they moved out onto the uh, sandy ground. And there were so many people who came out of the city, they moved out onto the place where the harbor once stood. The problem was is that they didn't understand that with an earthquake of that magnitude, a tsunami was on its way. The tsunami wave was 40 feet high. And so all of the people were quickly gathering in the harbor area and had no idea that 35 minutes later, a 40-foot wave came through with an incredible force and one-fourth of the entire city was killed at that moment. Besides the people in the earthquake, one-fourth of the city went down in that tsunami. <clears throat> the third thing that happened was after the, after the earthquake and after the tsunami, people were left standing in the streets and all of their cooking fires and candles and everything else was still ignited in their households. The city actually caught fire because 98% of the buildings were made of wood. A lot of them were rubble now, already neatly piled up like kindling, and these fires began to start. Nobody had any firefighting equipment at this point. And they say that if you were within 100 feet of some of these fires, you would be asphyxiated because all the oxygen was being sucked out because the whole city practically was on fire. 85% of the city was, I mean, in instantly ruined. It was incredible, really, how quickly uh, the mayor of, of Lisbon took a hold of this situation and turned it around. I mean, a month later, they had a plan for a new city. As a matter of fact, uh, many of the buildings that were built after the earthquake were designed to withstand earthquakes, and scientists still today go and study the foundations of the new city of Lisbon to figure out how to best repel earthquakes. And that's where that actually came back in 1755. An incredible story and, and, and great devastation. So it, a lot of them uh, all of a sudden now came up for reasons about why this actually happened. And the Roman Catholics said it's because the Inquisition has become too lax. That's why God's judging us. We're not killing enough people. <clears throat> the Protestants said this is God's judgment for the Inquisition in the first place. <clears throat> all I'm saying to you is this, is that in that particular time period, People are left wondering, because everybody's got a theory. Is this God or is this not God? And they're looking at this, trying to figure out, where is this coming from? Is this the hand of God trying to stop something? Or is this the enemy trying to stop something? And a lot of them are left scratching their head. Aren't you glad you have the mind of Christ? You're saying that a little cautiously. I'm not going to ask you whether you think this whole thing is of God or not. But I am telling you this. <clears throat> That as believers, we look at things <clears throat> and we make judgments about things a little differently than the rest of the world. Because ultimately, we know that God's in control. Do you believe that? 
And to say it's just nature, well, uh, you know, I imagine the people who felt the first raindrops in the days of Noah must have said, you know, it's just nature. Some of the water's got in the air. But watch what Brother Bram says. I'm going to run you real quickly through some statements that he makes. He said, being uneducated myself and not knowing the words and how to speak them, I've always taught in types and in patterns of nature. And nature will follow nature. Nature is of God. You better believe nature is of God. Now we find in place, I'm going to go real fast, so hold on, hold on. Dinner, dinner's waiting here, it's, don't worry. Job chapter 1, while they was yet speaking, there came also another messenger and said to Job, thy sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. How many believe that God uses the wind? How many believe that Satan can get in the wind? Psalm 135, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, and in the seas, and in all the deep places where earthquakes happen. Whatever God pleases. You know what? The earth is the Lord's. Do you believe that? <clears throat> he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Where are they? Who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. Who sent tokens and wonders in the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all of his servants. Jonah chapter 1. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken. Did Satan do this one? No. Am I making you think? Genesis chapter 7. This is the flood. The Bible says that the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. Not the windows of hell, but the windows of heaven. Chapter 8. And God remembered Noah after the flood and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters of sage that the heavens, uh, sorry, the fountains also to deep and the, uh, uh, and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. My goodness, it sounds like God's actually at work. He's actually doing stuff. Back to the book of Job. But he saith to the snow. This is Job now. He saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. And onwards it goes in this passage here. God is actually speaking to the snow. I want you here and I want you there. And I want the little rains here and I want the big rains here. Testimony. 1963. Brother Bram said, I said, they'll never even find a trace for it. He said, for my Lord God who's a creator can stop the winds and the storms and rebuke the seas. He's a creator of heavens and the earth. I love him and I believe him. And he said, and you who could create a squirrel and put it into existence could take an enemy out of existence. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Brother Bram's praying, you can create a squirrel and put it in existence. You can also take an enemy out of existence. And when the devil wrapped himself in the storm, he said the wind is God's creation. The water is God's creation. But the devil gets, got into it and that's what did it and put a spasm in the sea like that. You know why that is? Because we live in a fallen world. And when Adam sinned, the, old, the creation went down with Adam and Eve. Isn't that right? And so he's got a certain amount of influence there. But I'll tell you what, God owns it all. I said God owns it all. And God controls it all. 
And he allows Satan to be able to get into it from time to time. And he said, and that's what he did, and he put a spasm into it. I've got good news for you, though. He said, in this new heavens and new earth, the skies will never be black again. He said, no, that's from the curse. It'll never be black again with angry clouds, and winds will never blow across her again like that. No, she'll never tear up the trees and the houses and turn things over. Lightning and wrath will never belch from Satan across there and kill a man walking down the road or burn up a building. There'll be no more typhoons or storms or tornadoes and tear up houses and kill little children trying to destroy it. It won't be there because Satan will be cast out. And everybody said... You know what? We're coming to that world. We're coming to that place. We're coming to that, uh, that, that, that world and that uh, place to live. And God's designed it all. But now because we live in the fall, all of it's fallen there and Satan has access to it. The world out there, they look at it and say, well, nature's doing this and nature's doing that. And I'd like to say this. Hey, our God is in nature. Our God created it all. And our God controls it all. And we should go out of here saying, hey, no matter what happens, we believe that God is ultimately in control. And we do not need to fear. Because God will use these things to turn nations around. God will use these things to break certain people. God will use things to turn things around. But I tell you, when God's in it, something good comes out of it. Believe it or not, when God is in it, something good comes out of it. Hey, come on, folks. All things work together for good to them that love God. All I'm saying to you this morning is that God's ways are higher than our ways. And His ways very often are past figuring out. Our ways sometimes are very limited in how we conclude things. But I know this, that if God can take away something you've never ex expected losing, he can replace it with something you never imagined having. I said, if God can take away something you've never expected to lose, you never expected to lose your health, you never expected to lose your mind, you never expected to lose your job or your finances or anything else, our God can replace it with something you never imagined having. Because that's the God we serve. That's the, that's the way that God operates in this world. As confusing as it is, that's what God does. And, and God will do that consistently. Let me tell you something. You let God take his word, Brother Bam says in a prisoner, and let God take his word, yoking us up together with God's word. You get in the word, you get in the spirit, you get in that harmony and that channel with God, and may the Holy Spirit take us now. As we hear the yoke click around our hearts from tonight on, I take you at your word. Now don't think your own thinking. Think my thoughts. Think my will. And I will lead you. God grant that it will be an experience to every one of us. Let's have our musicians just slide up here real quickly. Read that again. From tonight on, this is what Brother Bram's telling the people to pray. If you've never submitted yourself to God, if you've never uh, released yourself into the hands of God, and if you've never let go, if you've never acknowledged that God's ways are better, they're higher, they're more powerful than my ways, and you've never done that, he says, from tonight on, say this. He said, now I take you at your word, and don't, now don't think your own thinking. Think my thoughts, think my will. Think my thoughts, think my will. I lead you. God grant you that it'll be an experience for every one of us. It's relatively easy to sit here in a relatively easy environment and atmosphere and comfort. Some of you, your greatest challenge today was to stay awake. Some of you was to keep your stomach from grumbling because of the food that awaits us. 
let me assure you, we live, on a we live in a time where living on the cusp, the edge of a reality shift. I don't, personally, I don't think that God's going to take hundreds of years to squeeze the people of God into a place of total dependence on God. I don't believe God's going to come with his word to fix all the problems that exist. I believe God's coming to find a people who have allowed the word to fix the problems in their life. Did you understand what I just said? There's a lot of people who are waiting for God to come and do it when God's given us everything we have need of to do what we have need of in our life. God's given us a word that if we'll submit to it, you know what? It'll take you higher than where you are now. It'll, it'll, it'll solve problems. It'll give you the virtues and character you need to take that step into the promised land. God's already given us a word. I believe he's going to come back to look for a people who've taken that word and applied it and let it deal with their hearts to the place where he doesn't have to start rearranging and start molding and shaping and start transforming. Hey, Paul gave us Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New Testament early church. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That was to begin back then. Not, not at the coming of the Lord, but in, in, in the book of Acts, time. That's when Paul gave us that verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what, to me, that's an ongoing thing. That's an ongoing thing today. It's real today, same as it ever was. And God wants the Holy Spirit to, uh, to have free course in your life to the place where he changes your thinking, your way of looking at it. You know what, I'm not in control. I'm not the one who's boss. And my plans, I ought to put a comma at the end of every one of them and say, Lord willing. We're going away for a week, couple of days rest. I'll tell you what, Lord willing, I'll see you next, next time we have service on the Wednesday night following, Lord willing. Because you know what, we, none of us know. We think we know, we don't know. The reality is, is that we serve a God who does have it in control. And thank God someone's got it in control because I don't know of anybody on the earth who'd qualify to have it under their control. Republicans sure don't have it under control. The leader of the free world doesn't have it under control. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, folks, if that only was where our hope lay, if our anchor was cast in that, what a miserable people we would be. Our anchor's been cast in a better place. Our anchor, our chain is wrapped around a greater rock than any stone on this earth. We're tied to the rock of ages. Think my thoughts, think my will. I will lead you. His strength is perfect when our strength is Become strong. 
worship him this morning. But sometimes I oh, thank you, Jesus. We can do all things, Lord, through you. Glory to your wonderful name. Great success to show. serve a God who has that kind of control over everything. I could serve a God who controls the snow and the winds and 
and the, the deep parts of the earth, has treasure houses for his wind, knows how to open the door and release them, got angels on the corners of the earth holding back the winds of strife. My goodness, what kind of a God is this? Hey, listen, get it through your little mind. Get it through your finite mind. My ways are higher than your ways. I know what I'm doing. Jehoshaphat, you did the right thing. You just stayed right there and let me do it. And I got so excited, I didn't even include you in the battle. I love it when people let me take the reins. I love it when people stand aside, stand still, and let me take control. I love that. God loves that. You know what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves that. You're facing a sickness, you've got a problem in your life, you've got an issue. Sometimes the very best thing you can do is just come and stand before God. Give it to Him. Believe, believe somehow God's going to work this out. Whatever your situation is this morning, let me tell you, it doesn't intimidate our God. He's able. He certainly is able. Let's sing this little chorus. We worship you in spirit and truth. Oh, we together. Let's pray as we pray. Give to God what you can't solve. Give to God what you can't figure out. Give to God what nobody can help you with. Father God, we are a people who believe your word. These are not just stories or incidents in history. Lord, these are real things that happen, Lord, and our world is our world is on the brink of great change, Lord, and we want to have it solidly confirmed in our heart that you're a God who does impossible things with the people who just believe. So we place ourselves at your feet today. We present our bodies living sacrifices, Lord, not trying to manipulate the heavens, not trying to change nature. Those things are higher than us, they're beyond us. But Lord, the thing we can do is place our faith the solid rock of Christ.
No matter what our circumstance, no matter how great our problem seems, there's nothing that overwhelms you. May our faith be increased. May our hearts be encouraged. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit just move on the scene, I pray. Answer every prayer. Seek every heart, Lord. And I, I, I just ask that you would just minister in supernatural ways as only you can. I commit the people into your hands, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be mighty on their behalf. Lord Jesus, we want to say this morning, we love you and thank you. Thank you for your presence and thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God moving, Lord, among us. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all the believers said, you may be seated just for a moment here. Because I need to get your attention. I have another announcement to make, and that is this. I have a new Bible ordered. I, I think I should stop making these announcements like that. Let me just simply say this. We have enough food for everybody. Brother Keith and his family and folks have worked really hard. So when you go over into the fellowship hall, make sure you thank the workers over there. Some of the sisters have been there since early this morning and uh, helping out and getting things ready. So um, when you see one of those sisters working or Brother Keith there, make sure you shake their hand and say, hey, thank you. God bless you. They worked very hard to provide a meal today for everybody. We're honored to have all of you and our visitors. Don't think that you're, you, we don't have enough food. There always is enough food at a church dinner. Uh, it'll kill you, but there is lots of food there. So... We want you to enjoy yourselves. And just a reminder, we want you parents to uh, corral your children. Yes, I said corral. And uh, keep them with you because we're going to have the, uh, we just have a lack of space so that we can uh, move through the line. So if you don't mind, be aware of that. We'll have, we'll have a prayer over there on that side and uh, then we'll uh, get everybody through. This is a, an honor for us to have Mitch and Megan here and uh, they're newly married. They were married in Indiana, so we're honored to have this dinner uh, uh, to welcome her and them and uh, be able to, uh, I guess, induct them into the body. And We're going to have a pile of dishes at the end of dinner for you to wash and uh, just to make you feel at home. God bless you. But uh, we, we appreciate uh, them, and we're honored to have them with us today. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to let you go. Let's sing that. Um, the little chorus falling in love with Jesus I know we sing it a lot but it's a great thing to do and let's sing it again this morning as we go and with this you're dismissed and may God bless you and uh, we'll see you over in the fellowship hall falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus Jesus was the best thing I've ever Oh
there's no place I'd ever rather be. Sing it as you go now. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever. 